So we have our scripture reading today and we've had all these like cute families up here. I'm like, can I show off my family finally? So I get my family up here today. Woo! I know we don't get this, spend too much time together, but this is my wife, Rachel. This is my middle daughter, Andy. Say hi. This is my oldest, AJ. And Maverick has rain boots on with skulls in him. So he's in base camp for now. So we're going to leave him over there for right now. Let him do his thing. So. Now hear these words from John 1, verses 1 through 5 and 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light into everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This is God's word. Thank you guys. What do you think of when you hear this sound? Right, most of you, very literal, you think of 60 Minutes, and also some of you are wondering, is that show still on TV? Fact, it is, I had to check that. While I was procrastinating, I saw someone post on Facebook, I'm like, okay, good, that's still a real thing. Some of you right now said, OJ, you told us we could take a breath and not think about time for a little bit because we're gonna take it easy. You just reminded me I have a million things to do before tomorrow morning, and now I'm stressed out again. We're gonna take a turn the corner here, like you can relax again. We won't bring that up again. I'm so sorry, I apologize. Uh, some of you are thinking about time. Maybe you've had a change in life. Maybe you're kind of in a different season of life or you've been in a job change recently. I know I've talked to a lot of friends and folks that are here and it's just a different season. You're wondering, what am I gonna do with this time? What is this time supposed to be for? How am I, how am I gonna use it? Uh, some of you are just sort of in the season of life where you're kind of taking account of the year. You know, we've moved through Thanksgiving. We're coming up to the end of the year. And maybe this is that time of year where you slow down. You think about your goals for the year. Did you hit them? Did you do the things you wanted to do? What am I going to do with the last week? Can I cram everything into seven days that I have left to get it all done? Especially all the weight loss goals, right? Um, some of you kids are wondering how many hours are left till you open presents, as well as some of you big kids. It's not many, just a few more left. We all exist in time and time plays a huge part in our lives. And time is one of those fickle things, isn't it? There's not nearly enough of it when we want it and it goes too fast sometimes and it slows down in the times when we wish it would rush by, but it plays a role in each and every one of our lives. And, and I've been thinking about time a lot this season and I think it started a lot around Thanksgiving for me. You know, that time of year where you kind of intentionally slow down. You think about the year and you're, you think about the things you're grateful for, right? You think about the family. And I spent a lot of time being grateful for some of the adventures we went on. I thought about uh, Rachel and, and some of the things we were able to do in our relationship this year, some of the goals that we were able to meet and, and just kind of thinking back on the year. And then my annual Christmas calendar making, the, the mothers and the family and, and formerly grandmothers uh, would all get this Christmas calendar. And you start with your 10,000 images. Remember when it was so easy, you had like four rolls of film that you just developed and you went through them. Now there's like 10,000 pictures from every phone shot and I've got to rank them all three 
three, four, and five stars, go through the whole year, put them all in the perfect calendars that they laid out so that when they open that rectangle present every year, they go, what is this? I'm so surprised. It's a calendar. You're welcome. And there that is. But you look through the pictures and you see the year fly by, right? And you see the kids grow up and you kind of remember, oh, that stuff happened this year. And so I was in that mode of thinking about time. But also in the midst of all those good parts of time too, I, I kind of noticed how time was a little bit out of whack for me this year, especially in the beginning of the season, how things sort of seemed a bit out of rhythm. I think some of it might've been the stress of trying to fit everything into these three or four special weeks, the most wonderful time of year, right? You have a list of 50 things, you've got to accomplish them all to make sure this is the perfect Christmas for everybody. And you start kind of getting worked up about it. I'm like, am I supposed to enjoy this time of year? But I can't because I've got a whole list of things to do. And I'm probably sitting there wondering why so many of us felt so stressed in this time where we're supposed to be able to relax and sort of enjoy it. And we're like wondering, why are we running around like this? Why are we so out of rhythm with what we're hoping to accomplish in the midst of it? And then I probably started asking myself the same question of like, did, did I use my time well this year? Uh, did I get done what I wanted to get done? Did I hit the things? Did I, did I take the steps I wanted to do as personally, professionally with the kids and all these things? And then there was a hard turn because this was the first season where I had gone through my Thanksgiving without my grandma. Earlier this year, she had passed away and she was a huge part of my life. She's the one who taught me to fish. She was the one who spent so much time with me in their, their lake house. And, and, and Thanksgiving was such a big part of who she was and, and the family. And I didn't notice until halfway through the day until I noticed like the food just didn't taste as good as it used to, right? And you're like, oh, something's off. It, things are a little bit out of whack. And there was sort of this other acknowledgement that just not all is right in the world, right? You get on social media, you turn on the news, and it's not, it takes very long to notice that things are fractured. Society's fractured. We have a hard time even talking to one another. You see the brokenness in the world around as you're kind of thinking through time. And then we've been sitting in John 1 through this Christmas season, through the Advent season. And it tells this incredible story of God coming into the world, and it tells it on this cosmic scope. It goes back to the beginning, and it talks about light and life and time and beginnings and, and all of these incredible things and ends with a man in the world of God becoming flesh. And so I've had all these big thoughts about life and time and I've had time to kind of sit in the midst of those and all of these different feelings of time of it working well, of it being out of whack and being out of sync. And in the midst of all of it, I, I came across an article while I was thinking about all these things and it gave me yet another new concept of hope in the midst of this Christmas season. And it was something that I wanted to share with you. I feel like every year around Christmas time, there's a new way that Christmas enters my life. And it's a really unique thing how this story happens because it meets us in every kind of different season we walk through. And this year was no different, but it was completely different as well. Um, I started getting popular mechanics about a year ago. I have no idea how I started getting this magazine. You ever had that happen? It shows up and now you're Dr. Aldrich. And you're like, well, I guess this is for my waiting room. I'm just going to keep it. And since it's there, I may as well read it. And it's been fascinating. I've like learned, I, I wish I was Dr. Aldrich. It'd be a lot cooler than what's happening right now. Um, no, come on, stop. But no, so I get the magazine, I'm reading it. And it's been really interesting. Popular Mechanics, there's so much incredible stuff that's happening. They do all this research, they're looking into it. And I came across this article in the midst of it. And I have still to this day no idea why I stopped to read it. Because here's the title of the article. Why you should have heart surgery in the afternoon. This is why you came to Christmas, right? Um, and I'm not planning on getting heart surgery anytime. So again, why did I read it? But it was so interesting and here's why. So that there are a number of scientists studying circadian rhythms and how genetic time counters in our cells align our biological functions to the 24-hour solar calendar. There's a growing body of research that indicates that timing can affect processes as diverse as sleep, metabolism, and cell growth. So why do circadian rhythms matter enough for hundreds of researchers to study them? And here's the direct quote from the article. It says, it turns out 
that every cell in the human body contains the genetic time counters the Nobel Prize winners found, and they control the expression of roughly half the genome, turning on various functions on and off as needed. If the schedules of various organs, muscles, and glands get even slightly out of whack, you can develop depression, anxiety, sleep problems, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular, or cancer, pretty much every nasty thing you can think of, right? Merry Christmas, there's your list. But what hit me so hard in the midst of reading that was this. They asked the question, so why do our clocks get out of whack? And more importantly, how do they stay in whack? How do our clocks stay in sync? And here's what it says. The body's billions of clocks are synchronized by a master clock in the brain that is activated by light. Light. Light is what is needed to get our bodies on schedule. Light is what is needed to connect us properly to the rhythms of the world. Light is what was needed to set things right. Light fixes and gives life. And the reason I think that this all hit so hard and came together in the midst of this season is because I think most of us, at least in certain seasons of our life, experience that our lives are out of whack, that we're out of rhythm, that we're not moving in the ways that they should, and we experience it. And it might be today, it might have been a month ago, it might be something we go through, but it is a universal experience when we feel things are just off. And a lot of times that's how we live where we wonder why can't we just get this to work and we're kind of trying to figure it out. And even when we're not feeling it, we see it all around us, right? You just look a couple of feet around and things aren't working the way that they should. And, and oftentimes our lives don't turn out the ways that we hoped. And sometimes when we're working against those natural rhythms, when we get out of whack, our, our lives can turn out disappointing and oftentimes painful as a result of living in this off rhythm. Yet when we come to Christmas, when we come to this time of year, something seems to happen and the veil seems a little bit thinner. And it seems like maybe around here, things are a little bit closer to working right, doesn't it? Everybody seems to get along a little bit better. There's a little glimmer of hope. Maybe the veil is a bit thinner between heaven and earth. I don't know what it is, but there's oftentimes in this season, we can feel a little bit closer to the meaning of all of it. We can see that there's a bit of hope there. Maybe things are working the way that we should. But I think also just as true, and I think I'm finding it to be more true than not, and the Christmas season, we also experience the opposite of that. We recognize the pain and the loss and the disruption of what's happening in our world, and it can highlight the pain that is sitting right there. So why is that? Why does this season, why does this time of year bring up all of these different mixed parts? And I think the question that kept coming back to me was this question of what's setting my clock? What is it that is putting my rhythms of life? Is it, is it my job? Is it our jobs? Is it our ambitions that are driving the clock? Are those the things that are setting the tempo of our life? Is it the crisis in the room next door or within us? Is it our personal hopes and dreams? Is it what we think is best for us? What is it that is setting the clock and the rhythm that we're trying to live up to you? Because what I'm finding, and, and I think this article has highlighted it, is that if it's not set by light, if it's not set by true light, then it can only be set by something that leads to darkness and leads to further disruption and, and continual getting out of sync. Because Christmas reminds us that light has come into the world and it gives hope and it exposes darkness and it ultimately comes to give new life. Today, we're gonna to be looking at this incredible story of God coming into the world, the Christmas story. And we're gonna be looking at it in John chapter one. And again, it tells this incredible story, the story that we know of Mary and Joseph and the manger and all this stuff, but it tells it in this incredibly cosmic scope. It goes back to the beginning of time and then lasers in on this very visceral human person coming into the world as God enters in. And all of history is set in time. And so we go back 
to the very beginning as we travel through this incredible story of light coming into the world to fix our lives. So if you want to follow along with me, it's in your bulletins, or feel free to just listen in. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So John goes back and he takes a giant step back and he says, in the beginning, Jesus was there. He says he uses this word, he uses word, and word is Jesus. So I want you to hear this again, because he makes sure to place the fact that Jesus was around from the very beginning of time. It says, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and through him, through Jesus, all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. He's always been. And Jesus was the creative force of the world. I love that he uses that term word, this logos, this idea that he spoke into existence all of the beauty we see, all of the things. He was the creative force behind everything in the world. And then he continues on to tell more of who he was in verse four and five. It says, in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is life and Jesus is light. He is the embodiment, the full embodiment of light and life. And I find it very interesting that Jesus, this creative force who's around from the very beginning is life for all mankind. And he is light because light and life have always been intertwined. You think back to your early science studies, you think about plants growing, right? Light is one of the foundational parts of life. You have to have light to produce oxygen, to make plants grow. It, light and life are tied together. And make no mistake, when John goes back to the beginning, he echoes the words in Genesis 1.1. Hear these words from the very beginning, from the first page of the story of God here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty in darkness, was over the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And light was the first thing that came into the world to give life. And Jesus was that light. And he was the creative force that creates all of it. And life and light was good. And then God cared about his creation so much as people that he spent the time to set them apart. And the story, the first two thirds of the Bible that we have, the story of God is the story of God showcase people being set apart for him to say, you guys are my light and life to the world. You should shine so bright that people can see how good I am, that they would be so welcomed in, that they would want to know me because you are light and life. And over and over again, they mess up. And this first two thirds of the story is the story of God's people continually to go to their own way, falling down, God bringing them back in and saying, no, you are my people, you're my light and life, be it in the world and they go their own way. And I find that so reassuring at Christmas time because it's, it mimics the story of my life. And I'm sure if you're honest, it feels very familiar to you as well. We spend so much of our life trying to do it on our own and we see it go awry and the times when it is working right, we think we finally got it together and we stumble and fall and we come back around. And this story, God reminds us, is a universal story for so many of us as we try to do it on our own, that there was only one way that it was right. There was only one way for life to be there because the people continued to let something other than real light set the rhythms of their life. And then we get to the part right before John tells this story where all seems lost. All great stories, right, has the darkness. And for hundreds of years, the people, God showcased, people have lived in darkness. They haven't 
heard from God and they're starting to lose hope. And the scene is shrouded in darkness and they're just waiting. They're waiting for something. And all of a sudden, Christmas comes. Christmas happens and God enters the world. The birth of Jesus, this tiny baby, is the hope of the world, the breaking of God into the world, the hope coming in light, coming in the darkness. And how does he come? Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You see, the true light came into the world at Christmas. And it's what we celebrate today, right? The incredible setting of the baby in the manger and Mary and Joseph in this scene that we know so well. But it's so much more than just that image. As you see, the story of Christmas is that God came near. One of his names is Emmanuel. And I love that name for him because it means God with us. You can study the religions and most of us probably have, whether it's in our humanities class or in our times of searching. And the story of religion is generally the story of man seeking God. It's us trying to figure out how to make our way to God. But Christmas flips it all upside down. And it's the story of God seeking man to bring him back. God humbling himself into a human form to come into our world. That God left heaven and he left perfect relationship. He left life and light and came into darkness to experience every bit of our life. Have you ever left behind something that you loved dearly or that you had only known to go into something else and you didn't know what was next, but you knew it was the right decision? Have you ever had that season where you've left behind something you know it's the right thing to do and how hard it is? I've been trying to think and I can barely put myself there of what that must have been like for God to leave heaven and this perfectness behind. I, the closest I think I've been able to come to you is in a season of my life is 28 years old. I'd been on Young Life staff for 10 years and it's a mission I still love dearly. I still get to volunteer and do it, but it was this season. It's all I'd known had been my only adult job. It had been my vocation. It had been my work and my world. And there was a very clear time. It was like, nope, you're, it's time for you to go. And I had no idea what was next. I didn't know what the next job was. I didn't know what the next day brought, but it was just clear that this was the end of something. And, and in that season, it was like death. It was lost. It was over. It, it, in the midst of it, there was pain separation, but it also gave life. And I know many of you have experienced that on a, on a small scale. I've been experiencing it some with our kids. They're at an age where a lot of times they don't want daddy to go to work or, or to even drop them off at school. Sometimes and they wrap around your legs so tight and they're like, please don't leave, please don't leave. And you know it's the best thing because work is good for me. I enjoy it. It, it provides for our family. If I get a little break from the kids, it's good for everybody. Um, let's just be honest. It's Christmas. Um, but I know I'm coming back, right? I know the big picture. I know this is for everyone's good and it's for their good. They're gonna have a great day. They're going to school, they're doing all this stuff, but they can only see this little bit in front of them and the pain that's there and having to walk out the door sometimes and leaving them crying. There's a little bit of loss in the midst of that. God did that on an epic scale of leaving behind heaven and intimacy and perfection to come here. An incredible thing to think about God being willing to do that, being willing to step out of that for us as, as broken and frail people. Those of us, he knows our story. He knew that we would continue to go away and yet he still did it. Uh, Jesus 
on Christmas Day, it says the light stepped into darkness, that Jesus stepped into darkness. He, he could have chosen any number of ways to go about this, and he could have left when things got hard, but he didn't. He stayed in the darkness for us. Are you experiencing uh, some darkness in your life? Has that been part of your story as you've moved through this year? Uh, one of the hopes that I have found in the midst of the Christmas story is that Jesus will stay there with you. He understands it. The word felt and saw darkness. Sadness, a part of the story this year. God knew that these steps of separation would lead to momentary sadness as part of his story because the word felt sadness. Jesus wept. He felt all of the emotions. He went through everything that we did. Are you feeling lonely this time of year? Is that part of your Christmas story? Jesus was alone on the cross at the end. We find him alone often in his story. Uh, the word felt loneliness. Are you feeling pain? Is that a part of this story that you're going through this year? There's a lot of pain that is wrapped in the joy of the holidays. But pain is part of flesh. Part of being fully human is experiencing pain. There's pain in childbirth. There's pain in a father's loss. There's the pain of skin knees and bowing groans. Bowing groans? How about growing bones? Let's try that. Uh, the word felt pain. But what about joy? Was joy a part of the word coming in? Absolutely. Can you imagine the joy of a new baby on Christmas morning and the joy that that family felt with Mary and Joseph when they welcomed him into the world? The babe was born. A Messiah has come into the world. The gates of hell have been thwarted. Death has lost its sting. The word became joy. What about intimacy and connection? One of the things that has brought me a lot of Joy, as I've thought about it over these last few weeks, is that the word became family. The word became connection. The word became intimacy. Another part of what happens on Christmas is as the light comes into the darkness, light exposes darkness. Have you ever been in like the perfect hotel room with the light blacked out curtains and you get the temperature set to the perfect 68 degrees for sleeping and you've hit the perfect state of sleep? and the lights are all gone, and the first time the light hits your eyes, and you have to adjust to it, and it's so hard, and you know it's the right thing to do because you've got to get the day started, but all you want to do is head back into the dark. And that's what happens is we get used to darkness. When light comes in, it, it hurts to be exposed to it, but it also shows us the reality of what needs to get done. It gives us hope to move towards And when Jesus stepped into darkness, not only did he ex illuminate what was happening, he was able to give us a right and proper view of what is there, of what is needs to be fixed, but also that there is hope in it because light exposes dark places in the world, in our own lives, but also gives us a proper view so we can move forward. And it says that he made the world. He was the creative force of it all. And he came into it and the world didn't recognize him. And I've been trying to wrap my head around what that must have been like. And uh, I got a little taste of maybe what it was earlier uh, this season. I've been hearing a lot about the Epcot Candlelight Processional. It's a big deal around here, apparently. Uh, a lot of you, it's a, a kind of an annual tradition that's been part of your story. So I've been hearing about it, so we had a chance to go and didn't know you were supposed to show up three hours early to get a good seat. So we got a cheap seat and it worked out. And uh, we were standing in the back and I was amazed because here in Epcot, there's all these people and they're reading the scriptures. They're telling the story of Jesus straight out of Luke and it's this incredible story and they're singing all of the amazing Christmas songs and I'm kind of blown away that this is happening right here in the midst of Epcot and all of it going on and I'm leaning in. I'm in one of those moments where it really caught me and I'm, I'm getting a little emotional. I'm like wanting to listen in 
And behind me, hundreds, if not thousands of people are just feet away from the most incredible story as they get the delicious funnel cake that I've been smelling for half an hour behind me and a beer and a pretzel. And they have no idea that the greatest story ever told is right there. And I thought that's what Jesus walked into. He came into the world, which was his own, and they did not even recognize. And the world kept moving by, yet he was there. But here, here's the deep hope of Christmas. And we find it in verse 12. It's why it's more than just a baby in a manger. And it's why light had to come into the world to reset our broken lives. It says this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, Christmas is and always has been a rescue mission. Darkness and death were the outcomes of life. They were the natural rhythms of where life was headed. That was what was setting the pace of the world. And sin and brokenness had entered the world and there was no way out on our own. And God knew it. And he was real life. And he wanted people to experience real life today and forever. And on Christmas, the rescue mission began. A light entered the darkness. And guess what? One of my deep hopes in the midst of Christmas, as I read it over and over, the darkness has not overcome it. No matter how dark it seems, the darkness has not overcome the light. When Jesus brought light into the world to reset our brokenness, another clock started ticking as well because Jesus became flesh. For the first time, he became fully man and to be fully flesh means there's a clock ticking on his life as well. Death became a part of his reality, but it was a clock of his choosing. And when that moment came, death was defeated forever. And when Easter came and when the grave, the stone was rolled away, light exploded from the grave and it entered into our world and offered us light and life and a reset to everything that had gone wrong in the world. And this, this is the hope of Christmas. That light came into the world to expose the darkness, to offer us life, to reset our lives to a new way of living that actually creates and gives life. There is an incredible offer of life eternal to be light and life forever in heaven, but there's also a very real and practical offer of life now, an offer that your life and your clock can be set by a true light that produces life, that puts you in rhythm with the God of the universe and with the rhythms of the world and actually makes life work and actually gives the opportunity to create life. That is the hope of Christmas. If you've never taken the opportunity to think about that light or to take the time, my, my encouragement would be maybe you've been part of the crowd that has moved 50 feet away from the most epic story ever told. Take a moment in this Christmas season where things are able to slow down a little bit, where there is a time to see this light so clearly. Take a step in and look. Consider what that might mean for your life. Maybe it's time for your life to have that opportunity to have life set the tempo and the clock of your life to give you an opportunity for new life. Because the baby in the manger, the light in the world is the precursor of the man of stars on the cross, the one who came to offer life and light forever. And if you know him, if you know Jesus, if you've had an opportunity to experience that life in your world, my encouragement to you is to let your light shine bright. It is one of the things we get to do so well in this Christmas season. Be a light in life to those around you. Let's pray. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you that we are able to take time year after year to remember the hope of Christmas, that light came into a broken world and light came to reset a clock that wasn't working and the rhythms of our life that led 
to further disruption and brokenness and the outcomes that we don't want came to offer a new way to set life right. And you offer us light and life and a new way of life that creates life, that creates life for those around us, that creates life for ourselves, that puts us in the opportunity to live life the way it's always meant to live. And one of the great hopes that you have always said is that you came to give life to the full, that the life you offer wasn't a bland and tasteless life, but a life full of flavor and a life full of joy and a life full of life. So God, I pray that as we go through this Christmas season, that we would not lose sight and hope of Christmas, that light has come into our world and offered us life. And we have an opportunity to be light to those around us. Thank you for Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.